0: From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for Next Gen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the Next Gen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey all, it's Alana Phillips with the American College Next Gen Advisory Task Force. I am here with Lucila Williams. The founder of the Intentional Advisor and an advice-based
1: financial advisor in Denver, Colorado. Thanks for joining me today, Lucila. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to talk to everyone out there in the podcast world. I hope that they are excited to hear what we have to say because I think something that I am
0: thrilled—a message that I know you will be able to get through to our next gen folks is how they can see other ways of building their practice and that concept of see it to be it, right? Sometimes we are not always the ones that invent the wheel. We see that the wheel exists and then we bling it out for ourselves. So I'm so thrilled to hear your story and I want to focus in on you have advice that you give to next gen advisors. What's sort of your number one piece of advice to kick off our conversation to
1: empower them as they get started in their careers? Absolutely. I think my number one piece of advice is to build it right from the beginning. Don't wait three to five years to finally end up going, oh, now I have a vision. Now I have something to build towards. And you're really starting from scratch at that point. If you can have that vision day one, and build it incrementally, then three to five years in, now you've made progress. You're not going to be all the way there. It's going to change and evolve, but you didn't burn through that just surviving. You actually created something along the way.
0: Yeah. And I think that's challenging for those folks that are coming in just trying to survive to wrap their brains around. Sometimes you know have this project 100 that firms will put in front of them, go call all your friends and family, sell them term life insurance or whatever it is. So your journey in the industry, I think is really unique. And maybe you have some things you can share of what you wish you did different to build it right. And what you have done to build it right. So give us, there's that meme right now that's popular, how it started, how's it going? Give give us a little vision of how did it start and then we can get into how it's going
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think how it started for me is the classic old school sales organization. That's where I was recruited into. I thought I was doing comprehensive planning. I thought that's what I signed up to do. It turns out I signed up to sell insurance and it took me a while to figure that out. So the first couple of years was very much staying alive, uh, selling a lot of product. I was successful on paper. I really kind of came to that epiphany a couple of years in that, wow, I want to do more. The relationship I want to have with my clients, I want it to be comprehensive. I want it to really be broad. And I also discovered that crazy, wonderful, powerful concept of recurring revenue. So if you're new in the business, you're so focused on staying alive, which you have to be. I get it. Been there. I've worked with so many advisors who are, you gotta sell stuff to stay alive, especially if you're in an eat what you kill environment, like many people start out in, like I started out in, but the faster you can get to the point where you have a vision of your future practice, and begin to move forward toward that, even slowly and incrementally, um, the happier you're going to be in the industry as a whole, because burnout will come when you're hero to zero every single year. Or is it the other way? You start at zero, you go to hero, and then you're zero again. But you know what the you know the idea, right? So if you're always just on that hamster wheel, you will burn out either emotionally, physically sometimes, and just whether you leave the industry or just dissatisfied with it. So for me, it took me a couple of years to realize I got to get my CFP. And I don't think that is required for everyone. I think if you're gonna make a career out of it, do it. I also have my CHFC, American College. But if you're gonna make a career out of it, get the credentials. But it isn't required for you to do great work for families. I just want to say that. But kind of as I was going along, I realized this concept of recurring revenue. So so how do I create relationships that don't pay me once for the thing I sold them, but pay me every year that I deliver new and fresh and meaningful value every year for that compensation. And so I built out my advice-based planning model. It didn't have that fancy name in the beginning, but it was the idea that my clients, even my small mass affluent clients were paying me for advice Along the way, I was fully implementing their plan. So there was revenue, there was insurance and assets to manage, but we were building on top of something. So I I added to my AUM and I added to my fee income. So that's kind of started out in sales, figured out the concept of recurring revenue and comprehensive planning and just started building that as I went.
0: I like it. We started from the bottom. Now we're here. So thank you for that vision of where you started. Cause I think a lot of what you said is the same place that new next gen advisors are in. I thought I was doing planning. I didn't realize I was an insurance person and, and how do I get out of this? Because this isn't ultimately what I wanted to do coming into this industry or they got their CFP already and they want to do planning and can't quite figure out how to get out and over that hump. So you've got fee-based revenue. You've got... At AUM revenue. I love what you said about your clients you wanted to deliver a fresh and meaningful value to them every year and they'll pay for that. So give us a little color, the overview, how it how it's going, where is it now and what are those elements that allow your clients to feel like they want to pay you that fee every year
1: for fresh and meaningful value.
0: So I really
1: got to the point I had a vision for over a decade of what I wanted to create 133 clients, you know, with a, an average revenue of about $5,000. And that was my long term vision, I actually got about three quarters of the way and stopped. And the reason is that I now split my time between being a financial advisor and being a coach to financial advisors. So I, I, through the intentional advisor, the firm I founded, we kind of help advisors build advice-based practices that are both profitable and purpose-driven. So now I split my time, but what allowed me to do that is this thing we're talking about, the recurring revenue, understanding that how many families I could really serve, just every single year looking to add new families to that number, getting for me, I hit kind of right around that hundred family mark. And that's when I had the financial basis, the financial freedom to make this move into consulting as well. But I also had the time freedom because my business was so automated and so process-driven that I could do it in about 20-25 hours a week so that I got time and financial freedom simultaneously.
0: Yeah, Lucila, that's a great point, and we'll be back in just a moment. Learn how to give your clients the retirement security they need and become the go-to expert in all things retirement with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu to learn more. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at the americancollege.edu WMCP. So what are the elements that you deliver to your clients that create that meaningful value? You envisioned it, it's implemented. Why do they continue to pay you every year?
1: Absolutely. I think people that do start charging for advice tend to do a great job of the upfront plan and they forget the forever. And the forever is where the power is. The recurring revenue is where the power is. So the first thing is to have a set annual delivery model, a service model for your clients. So whether that's two or three meetings, have specific agendas for those meetings. So in other words, if you're repeating the same meeting over and over, the perceived value to the client is very low. If each meeting has a different topic, financial plan, this time in the year, risk management review this time in the year, wealth management review this time in the year, then they have reasons, compelling reasons to come in. And you have this kind of baseline agenda that you start from for this meeting, if they don't come in for their financial plan review, they don't get one that year, right? So they can't skip it. It creates that kind of in in sales, that scarcity. There's a season that I need to come take advantage of this or it's gone before it's gone, grab it. And so first of all, have those separate agendas and have them broken out. Second is each year you watched Office Space. I'm sure everyone hopefully listening to this has, but we want to add flair. You know, the concept of you got your baseline agenda every year add a little bit of flair to each of those agendas. So you're out at a conference, you're listening to a fantastic podcast, you get a great idea you don't run out and implement that immediately. You look strategically and say, okay, this is a great idea related to insurance and risk management. Now I'm going to put that into next agenda that's going to come up. So now not only am I doing my basics for risk management, I'm bringing that additional value. So you're doing fresh and new things, not not the whole agenda is new, something new every year to bring focus and to just kind of keep people coming back and keep people excited.
0: I like that. My piece of flair. Thank you. I use that quote all the time. So thank you for bringing Office Space back. So you've built. You have your vision. Mm -hmm. Our next-gen folks are going to think about their vision of what they want to do to build it right. I hear we've got to get the recurring revenue to a place that everything can be on autopilot in a way. And I think most folks are confused about how to bring that value. So if you add a piece of flair every year, we can continue to bring that value and and keep that recurring revenue high. One of the other things, Lucila, I think you do that is so critical of a message for our next-gen advisors. And I heard you speak, it was 2016, and I had never heard an advisor who talked about their office space the way that you do. So to wrap up our conversation on how, how's it going? Talk to me about the purple walls in your office that have inspired me from the
1: moment that you, you talked about them. Well, Alana, I have something to share that you are not even aware of. Just to give everyone some background in my office, which is just a a basic rented office, you know, that you would anywhere. We put a purple wall in every single office. My brand is Lotus Financial Partners. It's a beautiful purple lotus flower. So really trying to create a space that has a certain feel and, and a feel that doesn't feel like a financial services office that has kind of a a zen spa-like feel without being too girly. But this purple wall has become kind of a symbol of bringing who you are and your values into the marketplace. But what you don't know is we just bought our office building and I'm currently in the process of working with a designer to take the purple wall and put it on steroids. It doesn't mean we will paint everything purple, but we are deliberately designing a space with energy, like knowing exactly what we want to bring to it and taking the good ideas from our old space of course, you know, I love coffee and cappuccinos. So, the lobby, a very large lobby where we'll be able to do client events, has a coffee bar. We will have a small conference room and another training room, but it will have that feeling like you're walking into a Zen space. And what's important about that is, I think if you boil everything else down that we do, everyone wants to know that they're okay. They want the feeling of security. That is the business we're in, regardless of what product, service, or advice you're selling. So if we create a space that envelops them in that way, that that isn't cluttered, that isn't messy, that isn't stressful, that isn't banker-like, but it reflects who I am, who our community is, and really makes them feel calm, then that's really the first step in the client experience. So that's my purple wall, and it is now getting elevated to a whole new level.
0: I cannot wait to see that, and I think that even just hearing that, and again, it was sort of an obvious click in my mind the first time I heard you talk about these purple walls. Why don't we encourage and empower advisors to do this more? That client experience is so important. If they feel calm, if they feel taken care of from the moment they walk into your office, that is a unique part of your brand and an extension of how it will be to work with you. Then it makes it so much easier for that vision to come to fruition, right? You start adding in your pieces of flair. You have your set agendas for every meeting. It's all beautifully branded to match your walls. Now we've really got an incredible vision of what that could look like. And if I see it, I think that I can be it. So Lucilla,
1: thank you for sharing how's it going uh, and from where it started with us today. Absolutely. And I think that another takeaway is that young advisors, I think, I know when I was starting out as a female, I was, um, I think I was 24 when I started coming straight out of the army. I was faking it hard until I made it. And I was pretending to be evidently a male banker. You know, it was the suits. <laughs> I had a lot of turtlenecks going on. God forbid you show some cleavage, but I think the world has changed. Nobody is looking to get advice from a fake banker. What they're looking For is someone to understand them, someone who will see them. And the more now it's about bringing your authentic self and your values to the equation. And that's the differentiator. All these other people are pretending to be fake bankers (laughs) and you need to show up as yourself. Whatever that means, whatever your passions are, they need to be expressed in both your space and your messaging and the clients, hopefully, that you work with.
0: I couldn't have said it better. I will be showing up to your purple office with my hot pink blazer. So thank you for wrapping us up. Thank you, Alana. You've been listening to Next Gen in 10, a production of the American College of Financial Services. For more episodes, visit theamericancollege.edu podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.